This is where the fun begins. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Can't lose! King Kong ain't got shit on me! Oh my god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! What's the Everybody procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! Say my name. And here we go. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Grab your snacks, get the popcorn ready. It's about to get realish today. I am your host, Chris Negron, as always, being joined by our fearless leader, the creator of OTS, my guy, Derek Myers. It's great to have you back, my man. How's it going? Great to be back, bro. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you holding things down. I've been gone, so you have been doing a great job. Um, uh, you know, today we don't have Matt with us. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a little under the weather, so you know, get get better, bro. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely get better, Matt. We're missing you, uh, but you'll be back real soon. And I just got to mention it too, off the top, man. You come, you go on a little hiatus, you pop back up, and you just ink. Looking in exquisite form right now. I just gotta say, the camera's looking amazing. You got the lights going. I, I'm looking shitty right now. I got, I gotta, I gotta step the game up with the theatrics, cause my optics aren't as good as yours right now. Hey, bro. You know we both have a background of production, and so you know my my brain doesn't stop. So I'm, I was just trying to figure out what I can do to make sure everything is a little bit better. But yeah, man. Yeah, yes, it was, sir. It's, and it's, it's looking uh, great. I just gotta say though. Appreciate you. That wire, I don't know. That wire right there is killing me. But besides <laughs> that, <laughs> fuck with you, bro. But today we got an action-packed show, right? So we gotta we gotta yeah. get to the to the particulars, right? Before before I, this train gets too derailed. Um. So to, for today's discussion, we're gonna start out first talking about a very important thing going on right now for writers in Hollywood. Uh, there's a big strike going on with the Writers Guild, and I think it's important that we talk about that. Uh, but we are also going to be introing uh, a new kind of uh, feature presentation here uh, that we're really excited to to drop here. So, Derek, why don't you take it away? Let us know uh, what this uh, new pre- new presentation is going to be about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, uh, we have a new segment that is likely going to, you're going to be seeing it pop up on other OTS shows because it's actually um, a, a brainchild of mine like a few years back um, called The Ology. So it's going to be the, the studying of uh, different things. Um, and this is going to give us a breakdown, I mean, opportunity to uh, do an uh, in-depth breakdown of, of a multitude of things. So for, for Realish, you're going to see us um, in this segment uh, break down uh, an actress filmography. Uh, we're going to talk about trilogies, uh, different uh, TV shows, um, docuseries, et cetera, stuff like that. Um, and other shows like fans, we'll see different different uh, breakdowns. So an artist's uh, discography, albums, different album breakdowns, uh, mixtapes, all that other stuff. Um, even probably talking about um, some producers, stuff like that. But um, for for this for this uh, uh, segment, uh, we're going to do later, a little later on. We're actually going to kick off a three episode uh, series. We're going to be discussing the uh, the Godfather trilogy. Um, which I think that, you know, uh, uh, Chris, Matt, and I have been trying to figure out different things we can do to kind of like make this thing a little more interactive and, and fun. This one is going to actually be a really uh, great breakdown because we're going to be discussing this episode, just the, the first uh, film, 
uh, The Godfather, uh, which is directed by Francis Ford Coppola, uh, starring Marlon Brando and Al Pacino. So that's going to be a fun breakdown. I can't wait to get into that with you. And then uh, Matt will be with us next time discuss, to discuss part two, you know, Godfather 2. So, you know, and there's a lot of, of, of interesting uh, uh, thoughts on the whole trilogy that people have. So I'm, I'm very interested in, in getting into the discussion with you a little later, bro, because this is going to be a fun one. For sure, man. I'm chomping at the bit already. Just think of all yeah. the things <laughs> I've got to say about one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, but before we get into all that, we want to remind all of you to make sure that you're following us on all social media platforms. We are OTS Media Co. and OTS Media on YouTube. So OTS Media on YouTube, OTS Media Co. everywhere else. Make sure you are like, subscribing, and hitting that notification bell on every platform just so that you don't miss any of our uploads, right? Why would you want to miss uh, the great stuff we got coming out on all different fronts of media? So there's so much yeah. stuff being covered on OTS. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. Tell a friend to I tell know. a friend. Uh, but with so. all that being said, man, uh, let's let's tamper it down a little bit. I know I've been hyped, but this is a very serious topic, right? We're talking about yeah. the money that goes in people's pockets here. So yeah. uh, just to give a quick intro, um, the Writers Guild, uh, obviously in solidarity with their, um, what would you call them? Not employees, right? Guild members, union members. Union members. They're, they're all yeah. working together um, to sort of set different parameters for writers and their pay scale based off of um, how much money these movies are making, what kind of a distribution window these these movies have, and a whole bunch of different angles um, to try to really get them up to speed with the rest of the industry. Mm. Um, so this is a broad topic there's so many different ways we could sort of bounce off of this but i'm curious on how you feel about this movement derek and any sort of main takeaways uh for what's going on right now with the writer strike yeah man i mean I, I think there's um there's arguments to be made for both sides right like um for for the union uh, for the writers uh in particular but um also for uh production companies uh, I think both sides have arguments to be made, but you know they they do these these negotiations. Um, I think like every three years anyway to to make sure things are updated and everything like that. And and then when terms can't be met, that's when you have these these strikes. Um, so I think that um, we are bound to get to this point. You know, we, you know, we we've, we've discussed on the show before about how uh, technology is advancing and all those intricate details that you know we sometimes don't think about as just the audience but with you and i like like in particular having that that production uh experience there are things behind the scenes that that we know that take place that um that when one piece is missing it messes up the whole operation right so writers are extremely extremely important to what um what we see what we love Right, with, with talking about these different movies or shows, you don't have that without the writers. So you know the 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 way that technology has been advancing, um, we're not able to kind of like uh, measure out what their pay should actually be. Right, like there's there's, I think, I think we saw this. I think with within the music industry when when uh, you know. Spotify and iTunes all came out with streaming music online, right? Like you have, it's an advancement in technology. And so there has to be a, a new way to be able to measure out what royalties look like and, 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 and pay equal pay for, for everybody involved, right? 
So that's where we are right now. <laughs> Basically, you know, you have people that you have writers that that are on these projects that are on these streaming sites and and nothing's being you can't measure you can't measure that out to be able to get the the right amount of royalties. And that's fair. That's fair. That's a fair argument for why you should not continue to work, you know, um but there's a lot of stuff that's getting stopped <laughs> for producing right now. You know, a lot of productions. Um, one of the ones that I was kind of like upset that got affected by this was Stranger Things. Right. So like the last mm -hmm. couple of seasons have kind of like there's this there's been like huge gaps in between them, and mm -hmm. this is gonna just I mean there's already gonna be a gap between this final season and the previous season anyway. So. Now these kids are probably going to be close to college by the time <laughs> the show is done. So I, I don't I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that that there's a lot of things that go into this, which we'll 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 discuss. But um, you know, I I understand it. I get it. I get it. They are they they need they need to be paid properly, and it, it needs sure. to be it needs to be done the right way. For sure. And and for me, what what's really been disheartening is like. A, just seeing some people like, ah, oh, shut up and, and just do what you got to do. And the fact that anyone could take that stance in, in today's day and age to me is ridiculous. Like, you, yeah. the, the age and era of blindlessly, um, what, what, what is the word here? Sort of agreeing that the higher powers are doing things altruistically. We know this is yeah. a lie, right? They're not, yeah. not yeah. going to... I mean, the old adage, right? You, you, you never get what you're worth. You get what you have the power to negotiate. And at the end right. of the day... Um, these writers have been underpaid for a really long time and hearing sure. a lot of the specifics of what they're asking for that is being shot down. Um, it's kind of crazy because you would think yeah. that these things are already sort of standard practice. Uh, for example, one of the things that I was looking at was sort of just having a preset minimum to the amount of writers that are on a show before it's greenlit. And then right. after like having a certain amount of writers on staff for this production, that's already been greenlit. Um, mm -hmm. And, for that specific instance, like the 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 other guild, they they didn't even have an answer or a counter offer to them. They just shot down this proposal entirely. Right. And on the surface level, that doesn't sound like they're asking for an astronomically difficult thing. If anything, you yeah. could imagine how having less than six people writing for a show that big of stature with that big mm -hmm. of a budget, uh, there's no way uh, that you're doing things ethically on that front as far as distributing the work evenly and getting these things done in a timely manner. So mm -hmm. I, no matter what it is, um, I'm always in solidarity. Shout out to Pete Davidson. The, there was a big sort of meme that dropped once he uh, came and dropped off pizza to one of the striking locations in Brooklyn. And, and everyone's like, everyone asked why Pete Davidson keeps getting away with this shit. This is why it's because he does things like this. He's just, he's a mensch, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you gotta be a mensch out here. And, and <laughs> I love to see, obviously that's one example, but many examples of um, people in high status, people who are maybe even the face of a major show that requires writers that are coming out yeah. and in support of this movement. I, I, I say kudos to those guys continue to do that. Uh, because this is a movement that, if you ask me, is probably 10 years or so late already. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, and, you know, of course, like, like kind of alluded to earlier, but, you know, these um, these streaming platforms don't, there's no way to, to actually, like, tell 
how 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 many times people are actually like uh streaming these these uh projects and i mean there's i so i i get it i get it from both sides from the writer's perspective but also the the production's perspective the production studios um perspective like there's one there's one thing um that the uh wga wanted right and that was like it was on the issue of minimum length of of writer employment so um you know a lot of a lot what a lot of people don't understand is that these writers are actually it's technically like like a contract position right you're you're almost like like a freelancer in a, in a way but they're all filmmakers the w- you're, you're a freelancer right, 1099 right. all day <laughs> yeah yeah so it's 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 not it's like based on your the amount of projects you get right you're not you're not working on these projects all the, like you have no security job security let me put it like that so the wga proposed um like this blanket this blanket uh uh uh, uh setup where uh, for every pre uh, greenlit uh, project, there's ten consecutive weeks um, that that that's there, um, and after the project is greenlit, three weeks per episode they're guaranteed to work on, right? So um, three weeks per episode, they the writers get to work on those episodes, and then fifty fifty percent of that writing staff is retained throughout the production, um, and then one writer would be retained through post production. Or for a maximum of fifty-two weeks, which we know is a year, um, I can understand why production studios did not want that. Right? Not all produ- like every production is not equal, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I can understand why they would say we don't want a, a a blanket structure for every project. That that's kind of ridiculous if you're talking about, um, let's say, let's say we're talking about. Uh, I think of an example of a show that's eight episodes. Um, okay, let's say for example, like um, a House of the Dragon, right? I believe that was about eight episodes. the The amount of work that you have to do on House of the Dragon is different than what you would have to work on for, let's say, The Simpsons, right? Simpsons is is relatively around. Ooh, I don't even know where they are right now. I want to say it's closer to like twenty episodes a season. I mean, they're like yeah. a season. 30 something now so i like yeah. <laughs> whatever 30 close to 40 at this point um but they're they're the work that the writers on the simpsons will have to do which is 30 30 minute episodes pretty, pretty much versus an hour episode um and actually for house of the dragon two of those episodes i believe two or three of those episodes were like an hour and a half mm-hmm. long episodes so those the 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 structure for writers to that are working on uh shorter um episodes in terms of the amount of episodes versus the the length and time for some of them so some are are a lot longer than others and we have longer seasons for other shows the idea that every every project gets the same setup is is kind of uh it's, it's a bit of a stretch so i can understand where production studios are coming from with that but I agree there should be some setup, some structured setup to where they're able to 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 have guaranteed uh, uh, weeks for per episode. You know, like I agree with that. 
<laughs> I agree with that because you're, and also you're not working like not all writers are actually working on the entire season. I think people don't understand that either. Like some writers are only working on maybe like three episodes per season, or a know? part of an episode, <laughs> or a part of an episode. Yeah. So it's it's not even it's not all all projects are not created equal. So um, I can understand where the production company production studio is coming from with that, but there needs to be a structure set up. But I think sure. this is going to end up. I think this is going to end up going uh, into like a legal battle, because you're talking about streaming sites like Netflix, HBO Max, Hulu, um, that don't have to share their uh, their numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where I think we should be looking at. Uh, that's I think that's that's the point they need to be looking at right now. This needs to go into a, uh, to a space where they are legally required to share what those numbers are so that the payment can actually be measured to say, hey, okay, we're going we're gonna, to, you'll, you'll get this amount of residual. You know what I'm saying? Or if you want to go based, if you don't want to go based on the number of streams, go on, go based on the number of subscribers. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's, there is some way to measure this out. Um, it's just that some studios are going to be able to get away with stuff right now. <laughs> They're able to get away with stuff. They have been for so many years, literally for yeah. so many years. I, yeah. I think the main point too, which I love that you touched on, but, but I feel like the main point is like really extending the quality of life to your, your job environment. Right. Think about this, right. right? I would imagine a lot of these writers end up getting called in last minute. So they're not even working on the project necessarily. They end up getting called in last minute for, let's say, just one episode. Let's say in this hypothetical. They're only working on that one episode. And then they're balls to the wall, probably working multiple hours during a a week, more than you probably would in a nine-to-five to to get this done. And then the week's week's not even done, but they're done with what they had to do for the episode. And then the studio's like, all right, thank you. Like, Mm -hmm. thanks, thanks for doing what you had to do. And now it's like, hey, that was nice. I got paid, uh, but yeah. now I got to go do the whole shit again, right? I got to find another yeah. one and 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 go about that process all over again. So I, having those minimums enforced, I think, is something that honestly should be inevitable at this point. The fact that it, it yeah. doesn't exist already is kind of crazy, um, and I hope that they definitely get that. But mainly just the residuals aspect of it has always been a dicey game, right? Because I feel like mm-hmm. whether it's – nielsen ratings or actual ratings right those aren't the same thing and people don't get that either like nielsen ratings aren't necessarily who actually tuned in right it's sort of the the reach of your product and who could potentially tune in uh Mm -hmm. versus the actual raw numbers of who's watching so as far as the actual compensation i'm not the guy to hash this out and figure out what's the best method Um, but i would i would say some combination of the show's individual reach as well as the platform's reach should be taken into account when you're considering the residual. And and let's just be real about this here, right? A lot of these shows are passively making millions of dollars, right? Like this isn't, this isn't, this isn't a mistake. So, and that's after all the contracted money has already left the the studio's hands. So this is just money that generally they're accruing on their own. I'm sure there's a lot of people on the film set hierarchy, right? That are getting residual deals, right? 
So what percentage of the residuals are even available at this point? I would imagine it, it's not high. Um, yeah. So the fact that they're asking for basically a percentage of a percentage um, at this point, it's, it's crazy. And a lot of the counter offers have been actually really disgusting, right? Just entirely not even trying to mend the, the, the sort of uh, what's the, what's the word here, right? One hand washes the other, right? Someone's bringing up mm -hmm. these, these conflicts. You want to try to smooth it over in a good way. Like a lot of the, the counter responses are just kind of like, okay, you want $10? I got three. Like, what, what, what are we going to do about this? And it, it's just honestly yeah. ridiculous. So I agree. Yeah. I'm glad to see that everyone is sort of on a united front about this. I just hope that this continues to make enough of an issue for the studios that they actually are forced to do something about it. Because I'm sure, despite um, all these different strikes going on, that there's a lot of shows that are still going business as usual and getting things done oh, yeah. without an issue. Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, for example, like, uh, the show I brought up already was House of the Dragon. Um, their writers got the script finished before the strike went on, right? So, like, production is already going. <laughs> you know, so, like, there are some shows that are already going, that are already um, um, in, in production. A lot of them, movies like Blade, right? Blade is actually seen a lot of issues over the last year um where where they've had to start stop start stop um and part of it was was the the writing and and now they're stopped because of the strike right um you know and that production has just been a mess anyway so i think mahershala ali has actually been like whooping these guys into shape because i don't think i think they really kind of want to just kind of like do it halfway and you know that's not that's not how he goes about his business right so if you're going to do it, do it the right way. But, you know, I think um, one of the other issues that these writers had was about the use of, of AI. So the WGA um, wanted, wanted to propose a ban on, on AI, uh, on the use of AI to generate any uh, material that falls under, the, under WGA contracts, ban on AI use to generate source materials on the basis of WGA work, ban on feeding uh, AI uh, WGA work for learning purposes. So, like, feeding AI scripts for the for the for the AI tool to kind of like learn the pattern and spit out a new script based on that, right? Mm -hmm. And and I can understand why why the writers would not want that to take place. Why they would not want AI to be a part of this whole thing? Because if you're utilizing AI to generate uh, stories what's the purpose of a writer right and to be honest I, I would think that you would want to have a human being writing these stories because you're the ones that are living and and, and, and having these experiences on the flip side <laughs> i can understand why the studio wants to actually have that use option. Yeah. you know have that option where where you're 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 using ai you know, it's cheaper because you don't have to pay. <laughs> that's why, I, I'm sure. That's why, you know, uh, uh, they can write 24-7, so there's no, like, set schedule. Um, and, and and there's no responsibility to another person, right? So I can understand why, why a production studio would look at that and say, hey, this is a great tool for us to have. But to be honest, I think that, I think AI is actually 
a perfect tool for writers to use, right? I think it's something that everybody should actually use. I think you know every every um industry is gonna is gonna benefit greatly from it. I think there's gonna be some people that get impacted, you know, outside of you know writing. There's gonna be people that that get impacted by this by like the like for example the food service industry, they're gonna get severely impacted with with AI, but um. In terms of writers being able to utilize it, it's actually something that they can utilize to to structure their their flow and actually get more out of their time by utilizing AI. And my understanding would be that if there's a ban on AI altogether, uh, uh, that would be that writers can't use AI as well. So I'm assuming that like there's going to have to be some legislation for AI in general. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's getting out of control, um, in certain areas, um. But in terms of like the creative space as a creator, like I think you should be able to utilize as much as you can to to get as much juice out of an idea that you can, uh, uh as much as possible, right? And I can understand why writers wouldn't use it, but not want it used against them. And that's what the studios will will do. They will use it against the writers and and cut that staff down to half, if not a third or a fourth of what uh what it normally would be. Um, and save money on on that, right? Mm-hmm. I get it, I get it, but I don't know how that's gonna how how that would look for for a film i can understand it as like the, like a, a a project where like say for example if you and i wanted to create a short film and said we wanted to utilize ai to come up with a script and we wanted to use as much ai in that process as possible to say that this is a project done by ai and then you know you see how how we use it to to our advantage right i can see where like on a passion passion project that's that's a that's a good thing to use but when you're talking about like studio films <laughs> i don't want to i let me tell you right now i do not want to go and see a, a a batman film done by ai right now i think i i personally think that um that that the matrix resurrections would have been better if ai wrote it but like there there are different projects you could say hey this might be a little bit better but in general i don't want my movies and shows to be written by AI. I want I want them to be written by people that have experienced different things or they've learned um uh uh about different things through history and stuff like that just studying, right? Like I would love that. I don't want I don't want something written by by a computer. I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. And and for me it's kind of hard like this is going to sound really existential and philosophical here, but like mm-hmm. what is even writing at this point if you're considering that right. these things are being um, I mean, you would imagine, right, if AI is writing it, they're editing it to some capacity before turning it in, right? So is this even your writing? Like, uh, is this your editing yeah. that you're submitting? Yeah. And and my thing is, too, for this, if they do pass some sort of legislation, it sounds like a nightmare to try to police it, right, to actually make yeah. sure that the writing is, like, especially because I would imagine a lot of things are being turned in over the internet. So what are you, like, checking mm-hmm. for copy and paste? Like, how are you going to differentiate whether or not someone is using the AI versus not? Um, it just seems like such a big can of worms, which obviously needs to be addressed. Um, but yeah. like you said, I could see basically the 
the downside that falls entirely on the actual working people. It falls yeah. all on the writers. We Meanwhile, these tools theoretically would help them. But now it's like, well, I need to protect myself from losing my job entirely to this because yeah. we know how corporations run. And at the end of the day, um, it's it's sickening, right? Because you could get you could be eaten well off your profits and still no matter what the best way to make your boss happy is to say i can do this and i can do it under budget too so yeah i know any way they could try to cut a corner they will and i would imagine that's why a lot of these conversations are even being had in the first place man so i'm yeah. all in solidarity no matter what when it comes to these things because at the end of the day I mean, not to be that dude, but I'm I'm not some big business guy at the end of the day. Yes, you that that's a part of the American dream. Right. But at the same time, um, if you're exploiting everyone that is actually doing the things that need to be done for you to have a product, um, it just it just feels like uh, unethical, an entirely unethical thing yeah. that you're you're running away with so many millions of dollars on the back end and are just happy to not uh, put any of that back into the actual people who are doing the fucking jobs pockets. Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah, man, I I'm, I'm in solidarity and hoping that conti this continues to uh, come out in a positive way for the WGA because yeah, um, it seems like a lot of the things they're asking for are just getting shut down. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this though. Do you think that this is, this strike is going to take all summer? longer i think it's gonna take the rest of the year i think it's gonna be yeah it, there's just too many things um being negotiated as well as such a nasty undercut of what is being mm -hmm. asked um that is just sort of like waiting for the other to break i would imagine so i, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if this draws out even past this year to be honest the yeah. year is still young yeah 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 i mean i i can see this is going to be an amazing time for um, for non-union writers and also uh, freelance uh, artists to come out and actually get onto a lot of these projects. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's no way that these production studios are going to wait a year. No. They're not waiting. Like I think at most we might wait see them wait till the fall. Like that's like the furthest they're gonna go, mm -hmm. and and if nothing is being done at that point, they're gonna they're gonna freelance they're gonna freelance this thing, man, and it's gonna end up being where people are taking other people's jobs, you know, and and it's gonna suck, it will suck, but uh, for them, <laughs> it's gonna be amazing for anybody that's that's not a part of it right now, uh, to to do, but you know the the union is so important because. You have these stances where you have someone that's actually fighting for you to be able to to um, to get equal pay and or uh, fair pay uh, for everything you're working on. You know, I, I I do think though, if you are if you're a writer and that that's not a union writer, you better you better petition as many people as you can. If you can get in touch with anybody that that has the ability to put you onto any of these projects. Show up. Let's I'm get about time. to say, I have a question for you. Do you feel that those people who are in writing but aren't necessarily part of the, the WGA, do you think mm -hmm. that them undercutting this, right, and saying, 
okay, you're not using WGA people. Well, I'm available. Is that yeah. bad for business, like as a whole? Like, is that bad for you, like as the writer? Like, are are you aren't you shooting yourself in the foot? It's bad for the union writers. It's not bad for the ones that are not part of the union, because honestly, like we, we live in a society where, you know, everybody is 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 fighting for themselves. Like that's just how it is, you know. Like yeah. just just being realistic. Um, so as much as as I I agree, I stand with with the writers in this uh with the union, um, but. Been, I've lived that freelance life. I'm telling you right now, bro. <laughs> if I were still a part of, if I wanted to actually get back into the film industry, like, like I was doing, and and there were opportunities, I'm jumping on any opportunity I can. And that's 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 just, you know, survival of the fittest at that point. I wouldn't actually wouldn't uh, uh, be mad at anybody that that went ahead and, and and started trying to make connections and say, hey, you know, that's what the pay the the wage you were paying them. I'll do I'll do this, you know, for you know for this long for for this amount. Stack up those contracts, build your portfolio. I, I don't see how that would be bad. You know, you you're getting credits. I I, I would do it. If sure. I were a writer, I would do it. I agree. I agree with you 100%, but the, the philosophical why in me is like, but mm-hmm. if you know, I'm sure a lot of those same people that were once freelancers found their way into the guild, right? Oh, for sure. So for sure. My, my thing is, I get it. At the end of the day, it's capitalism and someone is going to be willing to do it for cheaper, right? That's just how mm-hmm. this works. No matter how far away you're... Um, what what's the word? Um, exporting the the work. Eventually, yeah. someone is going to be willing to do it, right? But ultimately, I just feel like you should look yourself in the mirror a little bit and contemplate whether or not doing that is the right thing to do. Because at the end of the day, if you do hope to get to a position where you're actually in the guild or a part mm-hmm. of the guild and are looking for writers to get a better piece of the pie or something like that, um, you're basically actively shooting yourself in the foot by saying, "I'm going to take advantage of this." let's call it what it is of corporations taking advantage of their employees by being a pick me and being like, okay, well you, you, you're not going to pay them. I'll do whatever you want on the, uh, for a quarter on the dollar. And ultimately why, like at the end of the day, everybody got to eat. So what you said is hundred percent correct. You can't necessarily even knock those people that are doing that. Uh, But there is an ethical concern there, right. On whether or not, Yeah. yeah, you're doing the right thing for yourself, but are you doing the right thing for the industry and for the future and your future projects that you may work on? Probably not. So I don't know, man, there's so many different layers and levels to this. And I think anyone in Hollywood that is not um, in solidarity with the WGA just looks like an absolute like scum of the earth. Right. Because at the end of the day, if you're not going to if you're not going to stand in solidarity with the people that largely make this whole shit run, um, despite despite not having any of the credit. Right. Like name me a famous writer. I'll, I'll wait. I don't know any, any. I don't know not uh, one. Well, well, for one, like on top of my head, I know Larry David and uh, Jordan Peele, like those guys. Um, but to be honest, but those are people who do other roles too, right? Like, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Give me yeah. a writer. Oh, that's a writer, strictly writer. Yeah, not. Nah, they don't exist. Yeah, and and, and I'm pretty say. sure it's because 
of all of these practices, right? And and oh, keeping sure. them in this lane. So for sure. Uh, hopefully, if things go the way uh, the WGA is is hoping that they go, that maybe things like that do become more solidified, right? You you are able to find yeah. yourself in sort of a higher demand if what you're doing is clearly coming across that kind of way. So I will say though, the last strike that we had, um, I think out of that was born was the 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 reality tv um industry was born right Mm -hmm. if if that same approach happens with this strike the 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 one of the great areas for for these writers to kind of like get a uh, you know get their hands on different things and do different things in different ways well not writers production companies to to further um their their uh their work is to partner with podcasts right so you're not you're not like you're able you would be able to podcasts would be able to lease their their shows to these networks that don't have any material to put on right Mm -hmm. that's that would be a a great way for for a lot of podcasters to even get get in uh, and take advantage of this thing like Say for example, like you know what we do with the sideline guys. I'm telling you right now, if if ESPN, <laughs> any of them, like any of those shows stop stop running, and they wanted to bring TSG on, lease it, hell yeah, we're taking advantage sure. of that. Hell yeah, because <laughs> why not? Because <laughs> why not? Right? I I think again at the end of the day, this is like survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm who's ever able to take advantage of this time, this is almost, to me, this almost feels like the pandemic. If you're not doing work during this moment, by the time it's over, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. the pandemic happened, happened and the lockdown was was uh, was going on, you know, a lot of people decided, hey, we're going to lock in and do this work. And then on the, you know, on the back end, it's like, hey, once we came out of it, or when things things get a little more relaxed, you see you have this, that, and the other built up to do, you know, more. And that's what I kind of like feel like this moment is. Like this is a moment for people to lock in and go for it. Find out where you can take advantage of this and go for it. Right? That makes sense to me. You know, uh, so yeah, I stand with the writers, <laughs> but hey, opportunity is out there, baby. <laughs> yes sir keep your eye out who knows you might be able to find yourself undercutting the wga but hey uh yeah still try to fight on the back end for your people all right oh for Uh, sure (laughs) good luck to everyone that is all a part of that and i hope that we get some good news on this front but something we'll definitely be keeping an eye on uh moving forward and mentioning i'm sure throughout the year in real ish uh but with that all being said Uh, Really excited, man. Really excited to get into our feature presentation. We're going to take a little break and we'll be right back. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's your boy Dwayne from Pastor Ox and Life's a Botch podcast. I'm coming to you with a real dope advertisement if you got a moment. Can we do that? Peep this. Yo, you tired of that uncomfortable feeling with your undergarments? You know what I'm talking about. Like, literally having to adjust so it gets real comfortable in between the, you know, real safe space. Or maybe just wedgies from just going underneath, you know what I mean? All that, all that. Let's keep it in 100. Y'all know how I'm feeling, y'all know how that feeling goes. Well, I wanna introduce to you the ultimate solution coming from the number one premium and fit athletic wear. 
just for you. I'm talking about none other than Champ Number One Boxers. Champ Number One Boxers is a black-owned underwear brand, okay? They literally specify in giving you the most top-notch, high-quality, premium, adjustable, and fittable, and totally comfortable undergarment wear that is just for you. Not only is it something that you can wear, feel good in, feel confident in, and love, but it's also high quality, feels good, and on, most importantly, it is definitely fashionable, okay? Comes in a different, wide variety of so many different styles and themes to these undergarments. Something to make you look good, feel good, and swag real good in the process, all right? So, again, did I, did I get to mention that this is also a black-owned brand? It's a black-owned brand, y'all, so if nothing else, definitely go support that 100%. So, what I want to do is I want to tell you, Head on over to OTS Media Co. on all social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you go over, you click the link in the bios, it'll take you straight to the Champ Number One Boxers website. You can check out all their styles, you can check out their bundle deals, you can check out why this brand exists, what it's all about, and trust me when I say you do not want to miss out on the types of opportunities going on right now on the site. Champ Number One Boxers. Make sure you do it for the champ in your life if you ain't already doing it for yourself, champ, all right? Champ number one boxers, make sure you go cop those, all right? All right. We are back with our feature presentation. Obviously, The Godfather, where Don Vito Corleone, the head of a mafia family, decides to hand over his empire to his youngest son, Michael. However, his decision ultimately puts the lives of his loved ones in grave danger. So I love that that's, um, that, that's a really good way, IMDb, shout out to IMDb, to kick off the conversation. Uh, but th with the way the movie plays out, right, you wouldn't know that that's what the movie's about until you're about <laughs> two hours in, right? So um, I, I just kind of want to look at it from like a, a viewer's perspective and kind of break down these different scenes as we're going along. So... Just yeah. starting off early on, first impressions, right? Like this movie was shot in set. I was about to say seventeen, nineteen seventy-two. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's when this movie came out. Uh, this movie is insanely ahead of its time, like insanely. Yes. Like every time I watch it, I'm genuinely surprised at how well done it is. Uh, because yeah. I feel like it's rare to have a movie on this level, period. Uh, but then when you consider it was in the seventies, it's actually mind blowing. Um, but just to, just to kick things off, right. We start, um, at, uh, Don Vito's, um, daughter's wedding. And that, that's the beginning sort of to the family dynamics and, and everyone uh, that's a part of this, uh, Corleone family. And I just want to start off by saying, I love that whole, like the whole wedding scene in general, because you get so much information at once, but you're also, almost a part of the audience, right? We've all been there in these wedding scenarios. Oh, the, yeah. the way that uh, a lot of these scenes are shot, you really feel like you're there sort of experiencing it for the first time too. And it, it cues you in a lot on the responsibilities of, of the Don and, and mm -hmm. all the different people that are sort of dependent and, and foot soldiers for him. You also get a dynamic of sort of the, the Italian culture and where they are at this place and sort of how, uh, for lack of better words, they're sort of um, 
moving together in solidarity, right? There, it's not. Yeah. You, you, good luck getting in and penetrating that <laughs> bubble if you're outside of it, right? So, yeah. Um, I mean, they even make mention there about how like. Uh, so I'm just gonna go into this, right? Because I, I kind of was gonna, go I kind of was gonna shade this a little bit, but I think yeah. this this theme of of Michael's character and how he develops throughout the movie is is really important for this. Um, yeah. I love the way they do this, right, and how it contrasts the end of the movie. Because this in, in this scene, first of all, he's not even there on time; he's late. Yeah, and that's yeah. a that's a big point of of contention and something that is made like very clear they were actually about to take a family photo and then the godfather walks away disgusted and is like get me when he's here get, come and get me yeah. when he's here um so he shows up late with his uh his white girlfriend at the time uh okay shout out to, i mean she catches all the strays in this film uh but i mean she doesn't there isn't much depth to her character but uh shout yeah. out to her for for breaking these barriers right so somebody <laughs> has to do it as someone who's in a uh, a relationship where maybe not maybe not everyone's used to seeing a Puerto Rican fellow around. I can feel her. I can feel her entirely. Um, but <laughs> I thought one of the best decisions of this entire thing, in my opinion, was they had Michael show up in his uniform from the army, right? He And why I think that's so important is obviously as things go later on, he becomes more entrenched in the family. But at this point, he's sort of keeping himself at arm's length on purpose. It almost feels like oh, yeah. he doesn't want to be involved at all. Um, yeah. And even downplays his involvement with his girlfriend um, yeah. by, by trying to trying to make the point like, Hey, this is what they do, but it's not what I do. It's not, it's not what yeah. we do. It's what they do. Um, yeah. So I just want to, once again, I'm setting the stage with a lot of different talking points here. Uh, but what did you think about sort of the, the opening sequence and what caught your eye as a viewer? So, I'm be completely honest with you, bro. It's it this watching this again for for uh for this discussion felt like I was watching this movie for the first time because I haven't seen The Godfather in so long. It's been so long. It, it felt like I was kind of like being introduced into this this world again, uh, for the first time. So, yeah, I knew that that, and I remember that the 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 the, the wedding scene was was lengthy, right? Mm -hmm. But it actually felt like. You know how you go to a wedding, long, yep. and drawn out. That's exactly how that that first uh, uh, first portion of the film is. Is where it's like it's, it's long and drawn out, and you feel like, like you said, you feel like you're a part of the wedding, and you feel like you're actually there and celebrating, and kind of like a fly on the wall type of type of situation. Um, to be honest, I love how. Um, how Michael's introduced because it kind of like you know it'd be something we talk about when we discuss the third film, but it 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 sets that stage for how um how much he does not want this life. Mm -hmm. How how you know and and even like later in the film, uh, uh, Don Corleone told him, I didn't I don't I didn't want this for you. I wanted you to be like a, a senator or a governor, you know, something like that. Um, which I'm I'm assuming that was the path that he was on. Um, but this 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 business, this family life, uh, uh, you know, it, it it brought him in, and and you can see the in the beginning how innocent he actually was, and it was like it was not just in how he was dressed, but his mannerisms and everything. He looked childlike 
a grown man, but he looked childlike as if like his family, he and his family are like have nothing to do with each other. Right. And and it's while you're talking about how he he was like at an arm's length. It's like Don Corleone put him at arms at another arm's length too. It's like they they were both pushing away from each other to make sure that this does not touch him, right? And I love how in the beginning you're seeing, yeah, he's late, he's separated. He and he and Kay are like on a, at a different table by themselves. They're secluded. They're away from everybody else, you know. And that's what I found very interesting about that about that first portion of, of the film is. I don't remember seeing anybody else sitting by themselves, like at a table. Everyone was at a group table, even like people that <laughs> that you know, one guy didn't want to be photographed, you know, stuff like that. Like everybody is together and they're separated. They're like it's almost like if you're at a restaurant, like you're being sat when you when when someone when they sit you down, they take you to the to the worst table, right? Like by the bathroom or by the kitchen, right? Like like you're not seen. And that's that's how they were, and I think that that sets the stage perfectly for how uh, Michael's character then develops to what we see at the end, um, because he is so far removed from this. Like you see him, you know, even later, like after that wedding, shopping with Kay for Christmas, and they're just gallivanting through through New York and and you know kissing each other and you know just having a good time, like. You can see how different he is in the beginning of the movie from from the end. So yeah, I love that. I love that. Definitely. And uh, my favorite part about the, be the the beginning too is just setting the stage with who these people are. Right. You got Lu mm -hmm. Luca Brasi in the back talking to himself, and then Kay's noticing like that. Hey, that hey, babe, that guy's over there tweaking. Like, is he supposed yeah. to be here? <laughs> like, is is he in the right place? And then and yeah. then he's like, yeah, yeah, he definitely is. Um. Yeah. So and then of course Sonny, uh, where, where you was talking about where he didn't want to be uh, photographed. Uh, Michael's brother ends up mm -hmm. breaking the dude's camera like in the middle yeah. of the thing. And <laughs> and obviously nobody's what, what they're gonna tell you. This is your house, right? Technically, right? So the, what they're yeah. gonna tell you but at the same time it's just hilarious to see the w th these different people right very much set in stone in who they are being mm -hmm. themselves in this yeah. uh moment together right um yeah. and, and i think that's something that really people don't understand how hard that is to achieve as far as character development mm -hmm. I, I think especially today's day and age there's a lot of inconsistent characters where they end up oh, doing yeah. things towards the end where it's like i don't I don't think that's who you are, bro. Yeah. Um, there's no <laughs> issues like that at all in this film, which I love. Uh, but obviously, uh, like you mentioned, you're you're there for about 40 minutes, right? And then, yeah. <laughs> and then things pick up extremely fast. Versus, uh, you're basically never in the same place for that long again until yes. basically, um, never literally the the rest of the movie is is at a completely yeah. different level of pacing which i love as well so things start to pick up a little bit i think the big turning point that obviously needs to be mentioned is uh getting to understand the different uh dynamics between the different families right so the corleone yeah. family is the one that the godfather is obviously the head of and then there's other families the tartaglias the, there's a whole bunch of different names right um that we get slowly introduced to but also through conflict, like seeing Luca Brasi get hit and seeing an attempted hit on Vito Corleone's life, um, where we get to see how these different families are positioned, right? And how they're always jockeying for 
um, the head position, so to speak, to be the one uh, that everyone is is sort of um, checking in with, so to speak. Uh, but one thing I got to mention about the scene, right? It's, it's important because this comes across throughout the entire movie. Uh, but right before um, in the wedding, they, they show many, many times um, oranges around Vito. And, yes, yes. And throughout the entire film, uh, whenever seemingly whenever someone's going to die, right? Earlier on in that movie, you see them around oranges in some capacity, uh, which is a small detail that I love very much because obviously you're, you're, you're foreshadowing, but you, you wouldn't know that until you, you're watching the movie, right? Until you finish the movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. when you go back and you get to watch it again, you're like, holy shit, they really made a point to, to do this in a way that mm -hmm. it, it isn't really in your face. Uh, but one of my favorite ones was uh, one of the guys that actually ended up uh, double crossing the family is like playing with an orange as if it's an apple, like he's going to eat it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then later on, we obviously see him pass away. So a uh, really small, subtle thing. Right. But just so well done as that. far as execution. I did not pick up on that. That was, that's good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Right. And, and it always is foreshadowing that like right before oh, when wow. they show the market, you see that's what they show first. And then they come out, you see the rest of what's there and then you see the car come up and then everything sort of happens. Um, and then the fact that he survived that, too. Um, and, and I also love that that's the way that Michael gets sort of forced into this position. Right. Because yeah. they tried to kill his father, his father at this point, to what everyone's knowledge is, he's probably going to die. Like everyone thinks right. he's dead. Even though he's still alive, everyone is sort of anticipating the worst because you get shot yeah. five times as someone who's elderly already, um, not a good place to be, obviously. But uh, he close, ends up surviving. Close range that. too. Oh, real close range. Yeah, that, I love that the the way he fell too. Like that's that scene oh, is so bro. so well done. So well done, bro. That that was Marlon Brando did an amazing job with that because I I I forgot he got shot. <laughs> So I was, I was sitting there watching. I was like, "Oh snap!" Like, mm -hmm. I was—I wanted to call him Fifty Cent, bro. Like, because there's no way. <laughs> Many men was playing as this happened. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you though, man. Go ahead. No, you're good. I love that. I love that because you're so right, literally. And then, and then you can hit him with the. Um... <laughs> Let me shut the fuck up. I'm not even gonna do that. I was a Sonny got hit up like I did, but he ain't yeah. here no more. Nah, let me stop. That's his son, though. That's his son. That's not an op. You feel me? Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, so yeah, as far as that sort of yeah. leveling up moment for Michael, where you see that character development, you see him go from this being real, right? His family situation is always real to him, but it's also very real to him that he wants to set his own path, that he doesn't want to be necessarily thought of as a follower in that way. And right. I think he goes about this on his own terms too, because this isn't mm -hmm. something that was asked of him. This was his idea. This was something right. that he thought he almost, you could tell he kind of felt like he owed to his father, which right. I thought was once again, just, such a great way to key us into who Michael is and what motivates him and how he got to this point. So mm -hmm. eventually, obviously there's a lot of things that happen in between. Right. But the main sort of thread is 
the assassination attempt followed by the planning and everything that goes into now the get back right we gotta we we can't just leave it like this after they tried to kill what is the most important person in our family um Mm -hmm. we gotta figure things out on our own right and then so this leads to a very important part which we're gonna get to but i think this is also important to mention because this ends up wrapping things up as well but uh michael's sister and her relationship with her husband. How do you, yeah, please, I'm going to just throw to you off of that. So how do you feel as far as the way they introduced it and then the way everyone sort of reacts in response? So Connie, I honestly felt bad for Connie. Connie was like, she was a, a severe afterthought, like for everyone. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, you even the story, like was... you could argue, even, even in the grand yeah. scheme of the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, think about it. Like, at the beginning of the film, it's her wedding. Mm-hmm. It is actually her wedding. And even in the wedding, she's not a, a, a major figure, right? The major figure at her own wedding was her dad, Don Corleone. That is the, ma- that is the guy. That is, that is the center of attention, right? And so, like, that set the stage for how the the the, the um how her story arc was gonna go, because it's like she even when when there was conflict between her and um and her husband, you could see the family was like like staying in line, like uh like even her mom was 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 told Sonny, don't get in that business, like, leave that leave that alone, mm-hmm. right. Even like he told he told his wife to shut up in front of her family, and she said to Sonny, "Leave that alone." Right, and that that that, that kind of struck me odd, but it's like you also also have to think of the time in which we're talking about too, because this was like, if I'm not mistaken, this 50s. was fifties, yeah. So it's a different time and different era, which we're which we're um we're kind of evaluating right now. But um, poor Connie, bro. Poor Connie. I like. I will say, as a brother, that has a sister. <laughs> the way Sonny showed up to 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 defend his sister to uh, you know when she when he saw that she got punched and went and 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 took old boy out like I I loved it. The fight choreography itself was slow and horrible, but. <laughs> You saw that one punch, didn't you? I was about to say, we got to talk about this because it's infamous. (laughs) At this point, it is infamous. Uh, I I love that scene because it's so well done and so poorly done at the same time. Like, literally. um, I love the approach, right? Like, if it definitely feels like you're looking out your window watching the fight, right? Like, you're not there with him, but it it feels like you see the whole thing sort of play out. And he just yeah. smokes him right in the middle of the street. It hits him with like a nine-piece combo. Yeah. He's laid out on the floor, just getting <laughs> need. And then that's when the the terrible punch comes in, where they they literally show him get hit, and then he moves his head the opposite direction of like where it should have went. Yeah. And it, it somehow still made it to the final cut. Shout out to that. But hey, yeah, I mean, there was one punch he threw that missed him like that. It was it was it was horrible. <laughs> and he, of course, he reacted because you got you're acting right. Mm-hmm. That was 
horrible. But I, I like I understood it because it's like anybody mm-hmm. touches my sister, bro, like we ain't going to war. And I For agree sure. with that. I agree with that mentality, man. So I love that. But that's like the 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 that is the um the highest point where Connie was like how should I put this? That's the only that's the the only time you see where she's like put as a priority. Mm-hmm. Any other time in the film, she is an afterthought. That's the yeah. only time she was a priority. And really like I point. get it. I get it. But at the same time, it's like, dog, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she would you 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 really think and, and the funny thing about this is that um uh, you know, they explained that uh Tom Tom wasn't even a blood relative, right? He was yeah, he was Tommy, a kid the orphan. Yeah. He's a kid that, that, that Sonny brought in uh that was lost that you know he met and he's been with the family since they were they were kids. And it seems as if a a, a kid that's not even a blood relative got my more priority than Connie did. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That that's 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 wild when you think about that. For sure. But that's it, a really good point. I never even really thought about that dynamic, right? Because you're just yeah. sort of living and dying with these characters. That's a really good point. Even even her like scenes where you see her being abused, like it's not even necessarily for her. It's more so to right. establish what's going on and, and how this will become impactful later. And then just to bring the full circle close, right. Mm-hmm. Um, to one of my favorite moments in the entire film, um, not because of what happened, but just because the way it was shot and everything um, where that becomes a big part of sort of uh, Michael's transition into the Godfather. Right. So yeah, yeah. after after um, the Don gets shot and he's in recovery from that point on, um, Michael. So let, let me just finish what I'm saying here and then I'll give the rest of the exposition. But basically, Michael ends up in a position where he needs to not only respond to that situation. Right. But a whole bunch of different loose ends in the family, so to speak, when he's finally becoming the the, the godfather himself. Um, and it's symbolized as well, which I think is so cool, of him actually becoming a godfather, where he is um, Connie's uh, s- son, right? Son? Or was it daughter? Son, I think it was a daughter. Well, yeah, I think it was a daughter. Okay. Um, but Connie's child's godfather, yeah. he's there at the ceremony. And then as they're there at the ceremony, there's a whole bunch of other things going on in the background that you we know as an audience, but obviously nobody knows until the end. Uh, what is exactly happening in that moment uh, but just such a really such a really cool moment to see sort of full circle like we saw her being abused to this extent and why that was enough of a, a reason for him to respond in kind um, right. and all these things sort of add up too because it wasn't just because he beat um, he beat Connie that he got killed it was because after that whole situation happened where um, Sonny beat the shit out of him. I don't even know the, his name. Uh, Connie's husband is what we're going to refer to him as. Carlo. Carlo, Carlo there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, we don't even... It's kind of an afterthought, like, who he yeah. is. It's just important why he's, uh, it, like, sort of looked at in that way by the family. And 
it, it comes full circle because we obviously see Sonny get murdered later on. And it's entirely related to that moment, to when he beat Carlo and Carlo got offered from another family um, to, to take out Sonny. And that was such a dramatic moment because a, it really came out of nowhere, right? It wasn't something that anyone was expecting. I mean, we knew he was a hothead and he acted accordingly. Right. So something was going to, something was going to come around at some point, but um, still even watching it again, I was just like, damn, like that was really sudden. Like there was no like sort of cue into why it was happening until yeah. you find out later that that's why Michael ends up killing Carlo in that sort of end montage scene. Um, doesn't do it himself, but gets someone to do it, of course. Um, yeah. And then the idea of like, I'm not even doing this because of what, like you were, you were already pushing it, but you you crossed the line because you actually brought family into this now. Like it isn't even about right. shout, shout out to Fast and the Furious. Like it isn't even about, um, <laughs> like my which which is fucked up to think of. But this is the reality of how it was in the fifties, right? It's not about the solidarity of that's my sister and this is how you what you did to fuck up. But now you've made it more personal because now you've involved you've literally took away a family member because yeah. of their personal interactions with you. Um, yeah. And in a way that's very like not noble. If somebody beats your ass and then you're gonna you're gonna get your lick back and you don't even do it yourself, like like what what is that? Like I don't it's cowardice, bro. It's cowardice. Um one thing that I, I thought about though, <clears throat> it's kind of curious as to what your thoughts were on this. Sonny was being set up to to take over the family, right? Initially. Yep. One how different do you think things would have been had he been able to do that? And two, do you think that do you think that he would be as strategic? Because, like, of course, we know the, we know the whole trilogy, right? So, and if you're watching this, I'm assuming you know the whole trilogy. I'm not going to get into it, you know, in depth. Mm -hmm. But do you think he would be as strategic as Michael is? I mean, the easy answer, 100% is no, right? Like, the easy answer yeah. is no. He's a hothead, <laughs> yeah. and he's going to yeah. move how he wants to move. And I think we see a little bit more of that, too, right, in the other movies as well. It's not just this one. Um, but mm -hmm. I really like that point, too, because it's almost like Tom Egan wasn't even they, – they were setting up Tom Egan to be consigliere, but that's not – you're not the godfather. You're you're sort of right. the right hand and being the person to, to sort of um, – advice or counsel yeah count be the yeah. be his counsel in that way and it's cool that they set it up that way too because of the sort of the ice to the fire right like he's tommy egan's right. a very composed individual and to to have him be that foil to this hothead that is sunny natural fit in that way um but i even felt like when michael was uh getting ready to to do the hit and then obviously go away to italy for a while to avoid the the smoke of that whole thing um, mm -hmm. Even then, you could tell, like, when they're in these conversations that Sonny's willing to do things that you probably shouldn't be willing to do in a moment right. like this. And obviously, Michael's planning this anyway. So as far as him taking the lead, there, were, there weren't even discussions on, like, Sonny's saying this is what we should do. Michael's like, this is what I'm going to do, and then we'll figure right. out from there. Um, right. But in those moments, it very much felt like everyone was looking to Sonny and not to Michael. So that's why I always thought right. it was really cool to see him step up in his own skin and say, like, yeah. 
I, I'm not asking y'all if I could do this. Like this is this is what yeah. we're gonna do, and this is how we're gonna do it. Um, yeah. And and that moment honestly felt like where that power was shifted. We didn't even have to see Sonny get killed in the course of this film in order to know that there was a more apparent heir to the throne. Yeah, I mean, you can see, you can see like when, and I think the the first moment that I actually noticed the 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 setup of Mike um, was was when they were preparing for that hit, right? So Michael goes from just, like, walking around the room to, like, and, like, being, like, in the shadows type of thing in a corner of the room or whatever and kind of, like, listening to sitting down. And, like, when he sits down, he sits down with, with like, what he's commanding. Like, he commands your attention. Um, so, like, what I kind of, like, found interesting was like even even the way that some of the shots were set up michael is kind of like in a corner beginning of the movie or whatever but as as it progresses you see he's more center of the frame right like he's he's commanding your attention um even like when when uh he doesn't he's not trying to right it's just the the presence and sunny is is then shifted from kind of like center of attention to fly on the wall type of thing even before before he, uh uh michael actually takes over um because when when he was planning out this they were planning out this hit you see he's in the seat he's he's like oh we're gonna do xyz and, and everybody's like laughing but it's like nah this is what we're gonna do they do it and when he leaves America and goes over to Italy. You can see he's he's in command of of his people over there, right? Like he's not this loud, boisterous presence, um, sort of like his dad, right? Where he, where it's a a subdued, um, almost like a reverential type of type of presence, right? And it's like he's not he's not loud, he's not he's not demonstrative or anything like that. He's just there. And with him being there, like your attention is <laughs> is drawn to him somehow, some way, and you can see where he's he's kind of like fine tuning his leadership skills over there, and uh, you know even like when he 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 met Apollonia, right? Like they go to talk to 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 this man and didn't know it was that was her dad, mm-hmm. and. He sets the record straight. Like, hey, listen, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to disrespect you, but I'm interested in your daughter, right? And it's like that's what I want, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll get to know her in front of you guys. Like we can we can do this respectfully, but that's what I want, and that's what he got, right? It was a very mm-hmm. short marriage, but that's what he got <laughs> for sure. And I, I and I love that you brought us here too because this is one of my favorite parts of the film and this is the part of the film that believe it or not gets the most hate where people are like man you lost me here because it got boring it got slow i didn't understand why they were showing michael doing these things and it's like bro you lost you lost because literally it it, like you said it's it's a big part of that character development of stepping into being this leader right but also um i think it really shows the way he looks at it as like a collaboration like this isn't i'm taking things and then you're left to figure out how you're going to deal with that. Like this is right. 
we are going to talk about what I want and I'll figure out what you want and we'll figure mm -hmm. out how that'll work moving forward. And I think that's really key to being a good leader in any profession, uh, but mm -hmm. especially with, with everything he has going on, right? You, there's a give and take always. So I yeah. love seeing that. And then of course, just the, just the character development of seeing him in Italy and, and the differences of like when they would speak in when he would speak in Italian versus speak in English and, mm -hmm. and, the ways you sort of and and this is what i like about the movie too I, I know obviously we're in a different time and era now which is very important why a lot of these things aren't necessarily um on the forefront of our vocabulary today uh but it's very very like it is very on point to what the times would have been and how these people would have reacted like one of my favorite uh lines of the whole film was when tom egan was talking to one of the heads from the a different um it, uh, the movie studio, the the Walt, I believe his yes. name was, obviously a nod to Walt Disney, but he was talking to him and and he was telling him like, oh, I'm part German, but I, I, I'm like basically adopted Italian. Like I'm not even really Italian. <laughs> and then he called him like a, a, a like a, some German slur and then like a Mick yeah. at the end, like like literally yeah. right offhand immediately. Yeah. And, and that wit and banter, even though obviously that's not, um, the world we live in today, right? It, it's yeah. so true to the time, but also very clever and, and really brings out another aspect that I think really lets this movie shine is like the authenticity of these characters in this time period. Um, like from what I read, there's so many stories of how a lot of these scenes were like improvised or weren't necessarily told to be done a certain way, but the right. characters felt sort of the dynamic and even on set like Francis Ford Coppola wanted them when he was casting to be able to be in character the entire time to not break character at all so that the family ties right the hierarchy so to speak is evident and you would act in according to those things when when you're on screen and that really comes across like one of my favorite stories and once again we're jumping back and forth for you but I don't care uh one of my favorite stories is uh <laughs> Luca Brasi's character and how we see him there yes. sort of reciting his lines that he's going to speak to um, Don Vito later. And he's sort of making sure he gets it right. Funny enough, that part of him rehearsing his lines wasn't in the script at all. It ended up being oh, wow. shot after because when they shot the scene with Luca Brasi's character and Vito's character, um, the actual actor was nervous and was stuttering that way. And and when he saw that, he was like, no, this is fine. Like, leave, leave this just like this. We'll just add that part later to show, like, that fear and stuff. So so that's such a cool Whoa. excerpt there. But That's amazing. Yeah, literally. Literally. You did. feel how awkward it was. Like, it, Don Vito was looking at him just like, what? Like, <laughs> spit it out, bro. Like, come on. And, and. Like, I felt very awkward in that moment, but I was like, yeah, you know, like, it's just, it's an acting. That's, that's very well done. Mm -hmm. Very well and just, done. And just such random, like, like random shit. Like, for example, I forgot, yeah. I don't even know this character's name, right? But he's a part of the family. They just finished doing a hit um, on somebody who betrayed the family. 
And then he goes, oh, he goes, leave the gun, but take the cannoli. Like there's a oh, cannoli yeah, yeah. in the car. <laughs> like, like yeah. so, so random and insignificant, but like moments like that live on just because of how good they are. So well, another, another just big A plus uh, for me on this was how authentic everything was. Yeah, nah, the, I, the, the feel of this movie is so authentic. Um, and, and is boisterous right it's like it, it you feel you can feel the the the, the power dynamics and and honestly like you could feel you tell me how you how you how you interpreted this but like you can see the strength of don Vito beginning the movie and like of course after he got shot hey man <laughs> what dude was like 60 70 years old you get shot five times you know like you live through that it ain't gonna be the same right but how weak he appeared physically but that reverence was still there like everybody was like kind of like hesitant with switching to mike as the head of the family like hey man like i i get i get that he's the head but I need your approval, mm-hmm. right? And and when that took place, I didn't think about this until now. But when that that whole thing took place, do you see how different Mike responded to that versus how Sonny would have responded? Because if Sonny, if if anybody had had done that to Sonny, Sonny would have, like you said, he's a hothead. The way he would have responded to that would have been a lot different than Michael did. Michael was just like. He was patient, you know. It was like, I, like I get, I get. That there's, there's a transitional period, and people have to get used to me and everything like that. But this is how we're gonna do it, and there's no questions asked, you know. Like, like you may not know all the answers that you need right now. Like, you got a lot of questions you need answered, but this is all the information you need to know right now. Period. And his dad backed him up, like, hey, Michael's ahead of the family right now. So what he says goes. Play your position. Play your position. <laughs> Play your position. Literally. <laughs> yeah. And I I love how that how that that was shown because yeah again like if if Sonny was was over this and uh um Tom alluded to this uh after uh after they after uh Vito was back at at home um and and you know the guys were coming down the stairs uh Tom and and and, and Sonny had a were having a conversation and Tom was telling them like hey your reputation is deceiving you man like like you're too hot-headed like slow down and think about xyz and you've got someone that that is that is being looked at as the advisor to you know the 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 godfather right mm-hmm. you're gonna talk to him any old type of way and 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 disrespect him and this is technically your your brother right like the way he shot tom down so bad the difference between that moment and when 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 Michael was explaining to Tom what his position is going to be with him as the head of the family, Tom, I mean Michael was like, "Hey, listen, it's no slight on you, and I I mean no disrespect in this way, but if anybody's going to advise me, it's going to be my dad. He's the best to advise me, and we need you to do X Y Z. And it wasn't it it he was like in just one tone. He didn't he didn't get too high, he didn't get too low." He was just like commanding respect, 
again, this is what we're going to do, right? And it was just interesting to see the dynamic between Michael and Sonny. Like, we got a glimpse of Sonny as the head of the family uh, and how chaotic and, 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 and rushed it was. And, and, you know, he was starting battles that didn't need to be started, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But with Michael there, it was like he's putting out fires and quietly doing it. Like, he's he's like... Again, it's the same thing. Like, like real G's moving silence. That was him. Like, <laughs> he's like, hey, we're going to do this and be strategic about it, man. We're going to get the result we want, but we're going to be strategic about it. You know? And and the way that, that he operated with Carlo at the, toward the end of the movie, where it was like, hey, like, we know you did this with, with Sonny. And instead of just, like, you know, like, being all loud and, and boisterous, he took a, a chair and sat right next to Carlo. And was just like, hey, don't lie. Like, there's no need for who you to did lie. it. Who did it? Yeah, what family? Who gave you the offer? Yeah. <laughs> and he spilled his guts out. Mm-hmm. Right? He was caught. He was caught, he was caught. Right. It was just I love that. Just I a, love that scene. It's amazing to see the dynamic between those two. And and they were brothers, right? It's just it's amazing. Actually, all brother, all all of them. Um Fredo too. Yeah. Fredo. Fredo was a wild boy. Facts. <laughs> like Fredo's wild. Sonny is wild, but Sonny is like, Sonny is like, I don't care. Fredo is like wild, but he's like, I'm trying scared. to get lit. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, like, I'm like, leave me out of it. Like, Facts. I'm I trying to clap. Hate. That's I all want, I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted to clap some cheeks. That's what he want. Like he want he he was out there. Fredo was out there, bro, and. The 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 difference between Fredo, Sonny, Michael, and Tom, like all four of them were so different. Mm-hmm. So different. But it's like it's it's interesting to see that that Michael had more in, in, in common with Tom in terms of like this is how we're gonna operate, we're gonna be strategic about this thing and, and just be quiet, you know, like we, we're not gonna draw attention to ourselves. We're gonna do XYZ. It was almost like you remember uh, uh American Gangster? Uh, mm-hmm. when, when um when Frank took over and he was like telling, hey look we're not being loud you know you need to take the loud suits off and all that stuff like just being strategic right that's just mm-hmm. how it was and and I love this I love this I love this film man because like yeah. it it takes you back to where how how gangster films mob films actually were. Right and 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 the 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 true essence of them and how they connect with different families and all. I love this movie. Yeah, man. It's There's just... so many moments where you really are hanging on every word, and you can't believe yeah. the approach. Like uh, you mentioned, Fredo. So I got to mention this because this is one of my favorite Please. scenes in the movie too. But obviously, that's another famous Fredo scene. I'm sure we'll get to when we do Godfather too. But my <laughs> yeah. number one favorite interaction between them and this one. Um, was that scene with Mo Green and, and the casino and everything that was going on where he's defending Mo Green. Shout out Mean Joe Green. Uh, shout out Mean <laughs> Joe Green. I love that he was in this movie as well. Um, and, and obviously the story too. I have the book, by the way, Mario Puzo's The Godfather. I want to read it now oh. because, uh, yeah, I have it. I, ha- I have it right on this shelf behind me, uh, but haven't gotten to read it yet. So I definitely want to check it out now. But anyway, specifically, and I mentioned that because uh, – Side note, I got a couple of these side notes, but side note, Francis yeah. Ford Coppola mentioned that the reason why he had it written as 
specifically like um, Mario Puzo's The Godfather is because of how accurately it was depicted in the screenplay versus the book. So that's why I'm really excited to read the book to get oh. more context because I'm sure they couldn't fit everything in there, right? But yeah. great interaction between Fredo and Michael in this one was during that whole scene with Mo Green. And he's saying basically like, yeah, you can't cut him out. Like he's doing this or this for, for the, the, the casino business or whatever. And he shuts that down quickly and then ends up basically telling Mo like, either you're going to do what you got to do or we, we're going to have to figure it out. And yeah. Mo's like, oh, I'm just going to do what I got to do. And then he takes Fredo to the side and very calm, doesn't get in his face, doesn't scream at him, but tells him, he's like, this, this is the last time you side against your family like that again. Like, yeah. like this is the last time that shit is <laughs> like just setting the story entirely straight in front of everyone. Like yeah, everyone yeah. saw that shit. And, and the <laughs> fact that you're, I mean, just think of that dynamic, right? This is your employer. This is someone that you're showing up to work yeah. for tomorrow. Um, yeah. Mo yeah. Green. So it makes sense yeah. why he's trying to vouch for him in that way. Uh, but he, Michael made it very clear. Hey, you wouldn't even have this fucking job if, if we didn't place you here. So <laughs> get it together. Yeah, yeah, man. Nah, I, I love that. And and it was it's interesting because again, you see how Fredo, um, what Fredo's demeanor is right. Like he almost reminds me of um. Which is kind of weird to say this, but he reminds me of a drug addict, right? How 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 sporadic he is, and uh, you know, selfish too, very selfish. Selfish, yeah. yeah but also how he doesn't he doesn't like uh, uh, operate in logic with his decisions. It's just like this is how I feel. But the 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 reason why I'm saying bring about the about the addict is because like he's kind of. He is an addict in a way. Like he's addicted to his lifestyle of just being uh, uh, out there and just doing whatever he wants without regard to the family. And of course, he's in Vegas, right? So he's he's out in Vegas and doing his thing. He don't care. Mm. He don't care. But like when 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 they're there, like his, because like, of course, like like he he when when Michael first got there, like he wants to. He set up the room where it's all these women and all like everyone's trying to impress. Yeah. He's trying to impress his brother, but at the same time, it's like Michael's like, "We about business, bro." Wrap this shit business. up, and then he's like, "Get out of here! Get out of here!" Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah, that. But it's yeah, like, that it's like he's got he's got this fake like Fredo like has this kind of like pseudo power, right? It's like he he feels like he's got power based off his family's name, but. It's not there. Like he he has no power. He has no real power. And and Michael set him straight. Michael set him straight. Cause we're gonna see this again come up. This theme come up where he's got issues with Fredo. <laughs> right? So like I'm so looking forward to this, man. I I, I like this is a great movie. <laughs> Literally. Uh I, 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 let me let me bring it home because I I'm, I just wanted please. to wax poetic on the closing scene right we already touched yes, on please. it a little bit but yeah. first of all the baptism fucking gorgeous I love the way they shot yes. that church that church because if you have gone to extravagant churches like this you understand just how much light there's so much light and yes. they made sure to keep it as dark as possible to match the rest of yeah. the film which I fucking love. Side note to continue off of that, the lighting in this film is impeccable when you consider it's also being shot on film. Yes. Um, all the dark that has 
been able to be pumped in there while never feeling like you can't see what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. that's a big criticism about filmmaking today, where everything just feels dark. And sometimes you kind of feel like you, you're you lost a little bit in the minutia. Um, yeah. Everything is dark in this film, even during the day. Like, they find a way to get the contrast in, which I personally love, right? But... Um, Despite that, it never it never is too dark that you don't know who you're looking at, you don't know what you're looking at, and your right. eye always is looking sort of where it needs to look. So I love that church opening scene where it's in the back, like behind a pew, right? You can't even necessarily see. They're just people there, right? right. But they showed the huge, like, cavernous room, and then they cut away. No cut, no cuts in between to see the actual baptism just yet they cut away to these different areas right where all these different things are happening um where these different people are getting hit or whatever and whenever they establish those scenes of where those people are it looks exactly the same popped out like that you see all these things and then it it, and then it it inches his way back in like cutting between great example when mo green gets shot right he gets shot through the glasses and then right after that the next one this guy gets caught in the turnstiles like all these different things they have a thread that connects them which i love as just a visual aspect of it right but then when you consider like what that moment is and the fact that he literally is becoming the godfather on all fronts at the same time um just so well done like the pacing to that they took what was like a real life a minute a minute of exposition and they they turned that into like a five minute montage where right, you're right. brought out you're not even most of the time you're not even there at the at the baptism you're you're right. elsewhere but that's the influence that's what he that's where michael is at all times right he's doing all yeah. these different things through other people and yeah while he's doing this one one thing that's altruistic um doing this for Carlo and Connie, even though he knows he's going to kill Carlo in a few, right, right after this. Um, but I love too, even, even like after that, um, when, when they were doing that confrontation scene and, and this, the second time they, they told him that about Carlo, they're like, what he's like, you think I'm going to make you a widow on, on the day of your, your child's baptism. He knew exactly that he was going to do that. Yeah, He knew yeah. exactly, but he still said it. <laughs> Yeah. And then most importantly, right, the the best film, the best shot sequence in this film, in my opinion, comes to the end, right, where everyone now understands what happened in that moment. Because in the moment yeah. you're watching it and everyone that's there doesn't know that these things are happening. But we as an audience do later mm-hmm. on when now everyone knows that Carlos dead and all these other people, all these other dominoes has fell. Right. This is the actual moment now. Right. Where. We've never, even when he was there sort of doing these things and calling the shots and and everyone's listening to him, we never had a moment where he fully acknowledged that he was in. And this this final scene was the moment that he acknowledged he was in. And the way he did it, once again, just so true to him. So this montage finishes up, right? And now he's back at home in the same spot that we saw Vito Corleone during the wedding, right? Mm-hmm. And now Connie comes in hysterical and she's so like, I love that part too. Cause she's so beside herself that it's like, she doesn't even know how to react. She can't even like yeah. be fully aggressive. Like she will want to, she can't even fully like process what happened. She just can't believe it. And she's so angry. 
and Kay's there witnessing, right? And mm -hmm. it's implied, right? You killed him because of whatever happened mm -hmm. with the family. You killed my my husband. Like, how could you do this? And she ends up running off. And then Kay has that moment with him where she asks, like, but did that really happen? And then immediately, instead of answering, instead of saying, no, that didn't happen, he got pissed and showed, once again, we're back in the 50s, right? Showed that moment of how dare you ever question me and what I'm doing and sort of shut down that question at all. Yeah. And then she stepped out of the room, which is so brilliant. I love that they did it this way. She stepped out yeah. of the room and he's being framed by the door, right? So he's he is in it, literally. Like yeah. you see, he's <laughs> he is in it. And yeah. he she asks again, and then he lies and says no. And and she's outside that fucking door now. He is in the door, he is the godfather. Yeah. And he is just business as usual. He's not gonna tell you, he's not gonna extend you the truth just for the sake of it. But he knows that you know. But yeah. he's still he's still gonna hold up that that space, so to speak, brilliant, like just brilliantly done. The fact that they blocked it out that way. And then when she's finally there, she's outside looking in at him Yeah, and you could see full conviction. Like even though he's Terrified. lying, full conviction. Yeah. 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 She's terrified of what, what he's become. And, and I think at that moment you could tell as well, like, and maybe, you know, of course, with all art, art is subjective, right? So like we can all get different meanings of different in different ways. But like the guy closing the door, as as like he's shutting the door, they shoot back out at her and it's just like it's sweeping across her face to close out the film. But it kind of like it kind of showed me like this wave of emotion that was like she was being swept with emotion at the same time. Because like it's like she's thinking about everything every like of course he lied about about carlo being killed and um you know about him actually being in like you said right like the beginning of the film he told her i don't want to be a part of this mm -hmm. and as like everything is like coming back at once of just like lie after lie after lie after lie like this is what it is this is who he is he is he is the godfather now you know, and and it's a perfect way to close the film out because it's it's like that's it. Like that's 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 it. It is what it is, right? You see him him being like acknowledged, and in that moment, it's just jeez, man. Like she she's just like I just realized what he is, mm -hmm. and boom, close the door. It's an amazing way to close the film out. And and especially for a trilogy, like it, it's not a cliffhanger, but it kind of is at the same mm -hmm. time. It's just it's a beautiful film, man. This is this is where I think this is where I think like filmmaking today kind of like I think with the with the way in the in the space that we're in, where we're talking about whether it's streaming or uh, uh, whether we're, we're talking about the way things are recorded or whatever, it seems like there's like with a lot of projects, there's not enough thought that goes into it, into different elements and stuff like that. And and this film is a perfect example of why <laughs> that's filmmaking. That's mm -hmm. filmmaking, you know. The, so 
I just enjoy this stuff, man. I I, I enjoy that movie. That that's a great movie. It was a great sure. thing to see again, man. Because again, I, I told you, like, I forgot a lot of the stuff that happened in this movie. So it's like watching it for the first time again. It's just like it's phenomenal, for sure. And real quick, two side facts that I'm really excited to share because I I just fucking love this movie. Um, yeah. Marlon Brando gets main billing, and he was in the movie for less than the total of an hour. And the movie's three hours. <laughs> so actually in the movie for less than an hour and gets top billing wow. uh i love that though Re- really speaks to the dynamic and even when he wasn't there he was he still was very there. much so there <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> yeah yeah, that, yeah you this can feel his great. presence yeah you can feel his presence and 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 like you're talking about uh um uh, michael like you know getting uh outraged with by 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 k that's the only time you see him lose control and he quickly gained his composure back yeah. and lied to his wife. Like, hey, I didn't do that. <laughs> I swear. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> she took it. She took it. It's like, all right, cool. We're good. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, it's just amazing to see this, man. I, I'm looking forward to to part two because I know there's so much more that we're going to be able to discuss and, and, and how much that's going to tie into this you know, as well. So. Mm-hmm. Love it, Whew. man! I can't wait to get to the to the future ones as well. Um, is there any other random anecdotes or anything you want to add before we wrap this thing up here? Nah, man. I, 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 I well, I will say I loved seeing how Vito died among the tomato uh, garden. You know, mm-hmm. that tomato garden that was that was that was an extremely uh, powerful scene too. Um. I don't know, so, man. I, just... So sudden and, and beautiful, right? Almost poetic, yeah. right? Like he, yeah. Dude got shot five times, but he died running around with his grandson. Like, yeah. that, like, like so <laughs> random. But also, like, speaks to him winning, right? Like that's yeah. that's how you win as a mob boss, yeah. right? Like, yeah, you, you didn't he go out because way. you got shot. Exactly, you went out your way, yeah. and yeah. and and even the the structure of the way those scenes play out, right? Like Michael was very much so the Godfather before. Fido passed away but oh, that sure. was the the catalyst for the movie yeah and yeah. and it was crazy too because i i kept looking back at the time like as i'm watching because such a long movie and and once again this is why i feel like people shit on this movie in general because they're not willing to immerse themselves for three hours if you're willing to right. immerse yourself for three hours you will genuinely be surprised about multiple things but one of the things that i was surprised about was just how short the ending of the film is like I'm looking and I'm like, holy shit, Vito hasn't even died. And I still got like, I only have 20 minutes left. Like, like so much, they, they do such a good job of taking their time where they need to, but then also like not even like, for example, there was two years in the film that we don't see anything that happens throughout any of those time. So once again, just so fucking well done and a credit to filmmaking in general, but also like attention to detail and what that does yeah. for for the the immersion of a film. Cause you can't really like nobody's aiming to make a three hour movie anymore. Like that no, that is no, that no, is no, something no. that is entirely like if you're at two hours, you're kind of pushing it now. Yeah. Um but I don't see how you cut this movie down or if anything, I only see how you can make it longer. Like you, you can't cut this mm-hmm. down from what it was. 
And the fact that it's three hours is insane. That's a good point because like there were times where like we're jumping years. Yeah. Right? And they don't like, tell you either. You, you just you. see it. <laughs> yeah, because at the, the time between Michael uh uh in, in in Italy where his wife was was killed, blown up in that car. I still don't know yeah. who did that. Do you know the guy that? the guy well so the guy that was walking out the gate? That's oh, how it was Michael him. realized. Sure. Yeah, that was yeah. it was him. I just don't know who sent him. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, trying to keep our our on our mental for the next two ones yeah. we're watching. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's gonna come back up again. But it was like the time span between that moment and him running into K, or not running into K, but but finding K, actually showing and saying he's here. It was like a a year at minimum. Cause she's like, how long have you been back? Watching it, you're thinking. Oh, he just got back. He's like, oh, I've, I've been here about a year, maybe a little more. Bro, what? <laughs> Literally. So it's like, yeah, th- this this definitely could have been been expanded out a lot more. I mean, this easily could have been pushed out to like a three hour, three and a half hour film, easily. I, I, there's there's no question about it. So yeah, I agree, man. I mean, this, you're not seeing that uh, happen anymore where people are making that those type of films unless you know it's like. A Zack Snyder cut, a Justice League, or you know, uh, a extended James director's cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Cameron going crazy again. Like whatever it is, like it's a rare occurrence where you're seeing movies go that long. So I actually enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it. I I, I found myself, you know, like looking at my phone at different points, and I was like, "What are you doing? Like, enjoy the film, right? Because like this is something we don't get to do. It's just like." I don't know, man. I, I think I, I would love to. I'm probably gonna put my phone in another room when I watch uh, part two because I want to enjoy it without distraction again. But I love this movie, man. There's nothing. There's nothing else to, that I can say. This is just a great yeah. film. This is one of my favorite films, honestly. So I'm glad we're able to do this breakdown of the whole trilogy. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pumped too, and I'll leave the nerdy shit out. But I got two two more things to tell you. Two more things to okay. tell you. But I'm going to make you guess this one, though. You ready? We're going over under on Realish for the first time ever. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How, if you had to wager a guess, how much money do you think Al Pacino made for the shooting of this film? Ooh. In the moment or In the 70s. In the moments. (laughs) For just the shooting. Ooh. I'm going to say, we're talking about the 70s. I'm going to say roughly... A couple of million. Thirty-six thousand. Thirty-six thousand. Insane, bro. Insane. What? When I read that, I was like, "What?" Literally, literally, insane. For and and this, if you looking back, it makes a little bit more sense, right? Because this was he was already a a star at this point, but this was his star making yeah. performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, insane that that. A that that's how long ago it was that that's acceptable and B that's wow that this is a critically acclaimed probably one of the best movies ever made and that's how much he made is insane and then the last note I got you ready for this one this one this one hit my heart because I didn't even register this until this time I watched it so mm-hmm. all the cars their bumpers they have wooden bumpers would you like to wager a guess on why? 
I don't know. That doesn't even make sense. Yes. So in the 50s, I don't know if you remember, there was a little thing going on called a world war. And all cars actually had the metal ends stripped to be put towards the war effort. And it was eventually refunded back in 1970. But just shit like that, like it is That's so detail oriented, bro. And when I when I noticed that, I was like, is that like a ode to like hemp bumpers back in the four days like that's what i thought yeah yeah but no it was it was because of that so when i when i saw that i was like man i have to say that on this episode because that was such a cool Whoa. detail bro such a cool detail i didn't even pick up on that okay oh this is gonna be a great series man <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a great series it's gonna yes. be great man all right man go ahead take us home bro take Oof. us home as always, I hope you matched and enjoyed our enthusiasm on this one. Had such a blast doing this. So make sure That's if you nice. want some more content like this across all different kinds of uh, sports and things that we like to talk about, uh, make sure that you follow me on Twitter at Negrong MMA, as well as on Instagram at Chris Negrong underscore. I'm officially in the 500 followers club on Twitter. Shout out to all of y'all who made that possible. Feels great already steadily working our way up to 600 so keep running it up thank you so much and please the whole point of us doing this ology series is to have your interaction please reach out let us know how you feel let us know what you thought let us know what quirky parts of this movie you love the best i would love to hear your feedback on that end and get a little bit more interactive with you guys but once again really looking forward to come back and doing godfather 2 derek tell them where they can find you yes sir you can follow me at uh Derek OTS underscore OTS that's D-E-R-R-I-C-K the black way to spell it. But again, uh follow the brand man, OTS Media Co. All social media platforms, OTS Media on YouTube. Again, if you have not done so, hit that like button, notification bell, and subscribe, man. I mean, we, we we've got a lot of stuff that we're working on and 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 you know, this is just the beginning. This 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 has been something I've been wanting to do for like the last three years. This this kind of breakdown is in uh, you know a whole uh, uh, series type of, of thing. So and this is gonna be fun, man. I, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Matt, get it well soon, bro. Will we see you on part two? Um, and and we thank you guys for watching and or listening. Uh, and we'll catch you on next time. Peace.